Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Today, uh, I want to begin in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. It's going to be on the screen as always. And I want to read six verses, and then, uh, and then we'll talk about this for a few minutes. I want to start in verse 15. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 15. It says, Listen closely. I have set before you today life and prosperity are good, and death and adversity are evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk, that is, to live each and every day in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments or precepts, so that you will live and multiply and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear and obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will certainly perish. You will not live long in the land which you cross the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death and the, bl- the blessing and the curse. Therefore, you shall choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding closely to him. For he is your life, your good life, your abundant life, your fulfillment, and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord promised or swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, I want to preach on this subject today. If you're taking notes, I've titled the message, The Key to Life, The Key to Life. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we ask you that you would speak through your word today. Lord, that you would just use me as a tool to communicate what you want to communicate to your people today. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So we're in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Um, how many of you have ever started a one-year Bible reading plan? Anybody ever started a one-year Bible reading plan? You know, we're just around the corner. It's hard to believe we're just around the corner from a brand new year. And many of us, on January the 1st, we'll have our Bible app. We'll have some plan in our Bible that we'll be thinking, we're going to go through the Bible this year. We're going to read it all. And how many of you, you've read through Genesis, and you've gotten through all that, and you're like, oh, this is good. This is stories, and I can relate. And, I can, and then you get into Exodus, and you're like, yeah, God's setting his people free, and this is incredible. And then you get toward the, ex, the end of Exodus and into Leviticus, and then you drop it. <laughs> And you're like, you know, I think I just need to read in John, you know, or, or some, somewhere else. I don't know. And, and so Deuteronomy may not be a book of the Bible that you are that familiar with, but I want to kind of give you just briefly uh, two, two chapters before uh, Moses, who is, who is writing this, God's speaking to his people, and, and we find two lists, okay? So if you go back and you can read this on your own time, you find two lists, and this is in the Old Covenant, and And there's two lists, and one of them is all of the blessings that God is saying, hey, as my people, if you will listen and you will obey me, then this is what you can expect to experience. And then if if and then there's another list that follows that one to where, you know, if you'll if you'll listen and you'll obey me, then then this or if you don't listen and obey me, then this is what you can expect in your life and what you can expect to experience. And so God is writing this to his people. And we know this if you've read, you know, through the, any of the Old Testament that God's people, you know, they would, they would turn to him and then they would, they would walk away from him basically and they would begin to serve other gods and they would get distracted. And then God in his grace and his mercy, you know, he would bring them back and they would begin to, you know, like 
as, as kings were coming in and kings were going, like things would change, you know, based on, based on the, the, the status of the country or the nation of God's people. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 30, right after um, God is promising and he's saying, hey, I'm going to bring you back and this is what you can expect. I'm going to bring you back and, and you're going to be restored. And then he goes into uh, what we just read a minute ago where uh, he's talking about, you know, life and death and things that we're going to talk about today. But I'm curious, as, as I read through, you know, God communicating to his people, I'm wondering if any of us can relate, even though this is an Old Testament passage, to times in your life when you know, like, I, when I've been faithful and I've been obedient to God and I've done things God's way, I've experienced good things in my life and God works all things together for good, of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But how many of you can relate to on the flip side of that, whenever you decided to begin to do things your way, that there were consequences that came. And some of us even today may even be walking in some consequences from decisions that we've made because we decided that God's way wasn't the best way in this season of our life. And so we walked you know, a different path and we're experiencing some consequences because that's the way that it works. And so I think about this when God's communicating to his people and he says, hey, here's the blessing. And, and in the Old Testament, they would call it the curse. I, for the sake of this this morning, I want to call it consequences because I think we can relate to that term that there, there are some things that, like, if you, if you walk in the ways of God, you'll experience this. We know this in the New Testament that, you know, you can, you can walk according to the Spirit and follow the Spirit's leading or you can walk according to the flesh and you can make your own decisions and that there is going to be a result from whichever one you choose. And so God's communicating this to his people, hey, here's the blessing and here's the curse and I want you to listen and I want you to obey me because I love you and I want to lead you into this promised land. I want to lead you where I'm taking you and I want you, to, I want you to do some things. And it starts with like, I want, you, I want you to choose the right thing. I want you to choose what's the best thing. And so we pick it up in verse 15 and I think there are some key principles that we can learn from this passage that I want to pull out today that I think are going to help you. Um, I think that this is, this is written to God's people, and today, you know, God's people would be the church, and that day it was the nation of Israel, but I think there are some principles that we can pull out of this, and that we can apply to our lives, and that we can learn from today, and here's the first thing, if you're taking notes, don't be drawn away. Like, we cannot afford as God's people to be drawn away to begin worshiping and making other things more important than our relationship with God, and you see it in verse 17, you know, he's saying that, hey, there's life and there's death, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear and obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. And we're going to jump into verse 18 in just a minute. But I don't think we can afford to be turned away or have our hearts turned away or to draw, be drawn away from our relationship with God and following him. And verse 17 really is, is like this warning in my mind of God to his people saying, Hey, don't be drawn away to start worshiping other things that are not me. And we know this, that, you know, Moses goes up on the mountain, and by the time he comes down, they've made this physical image that they are worshiping, you know, because Moses was taking too long. And we need, you know, like, we need something right here that we can worship. And today, we don't go around making physical images. Like, we don't go around making golden calves and, like, putting all this thing together and be like, oh, this is what we're going to worship. But how many of you know there are some things that we have a tendency to worship in our lives? And they become more important in our lives than what God is. And I was writing some of these things down that maybe, you know, what gods do we have a tendency to, to worship and to serve? Maybe it's money. 
It could be selfishness or lust. I was thinking about this one, success. How many of you know success can become a God in your life? And you begin to worship success. Sometimes we get so successful, or at one point in our life, we were desperate for God, and we had to have God. Like, we would wake up and say, God, I have to have you today. If I don't have you today, then I'm not going to make it. I've got to have you to be successful today. I need to know what your will is for my life. And then at some point, we feel like we've got it kind of figured out, and things get a little more comfortable in our lives. And so we kind of start to turn away from God. And so success actually becomes something that we're worshiping, something that we're serving other than God. Maybe it's relationships. Come on, anybody ever made an earthly relationship more important than your relationship with your Heavenly Father? Right? Relationships, you start to rely on other people more than you start to rely on God. And it becomes an idol. It becomes something that we're worshiping and serving. I don't know what it is for you, but... But here's what we know. Uh, if you look over in James chapter 1, I love the book of James. And at some point, uh, probably in the near future, we're going to go through the book of James just verse by verse and, and see what, what it says because there's so much good stuff in the book of James. But this is James chapter 1 verse 14. Right after James is writing, he says, listen, God is not tempting you. God doesn't tempt anybody. God cannot be tempted. God is not the one tempting you. And this is the statement that he makes. He says, but each one is tempted when he is dragged away enticed and baited to commit sin by what by his own worldly desire like each one is dragged away and you find yourself in a place that you don't want to be because of your own evil desire the things that you have decided are we wouldn't say it this way but honestly we've decided this is more important to me right now in this season of my life than my relationship with god and so I'm leaning more into this, and it begins to drag me away. And then we're going to read here in just a moment. Like, it eventually turns into death spiritually. And every time that you choose those things over God, I think that your heart is turning away. Most of us, our hearts don't, don't start to turn away from God just all at once. It's a little decision here, and it's a season of life where, you know, well, I've just got to do this for this season of life, but then I'm going to come back over here and start serving God the way that I know I should. But for this season, you know, I'm just more busy and I've got more going on and so I have to focus on this, but then I'm gonna come back to what God said. How many of you know that it's a lot harder to come back to start serving God faithfully than it is to just continue to serve God faithfully and allow him to be the center of everything in your life? It's a lot harder to come back and some of us were like, well, it's just a season and, and, and I'm gonna come back to serving God. No, like we need to continue to follow Jesus and serve God right where we are. In every season of life, like no matter how good it is or how successful it seems or how bad it is or how down we are in the moment. Because here's, here's what we know, being drawn away, it always leads to perishing. Like in verse 18, right after he says, you know, Moses is writing and he says, listen, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear and obey, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, this is what he says, I declare to you today that you will certainly perish. Like, like it's not going to turn out the way that you think it would. If, if, if you start to turn away and you're drawn away from God and your relationship with him and focusing on him and, 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 and keeping the main thing the main thing, then it's not going to turn out the way that you think it would. And as I was thinking about some of, these, uh, some of these things that we begin to serve and worship and they become more important than God, I was looking up uh, some verses just to kind of uh, give us a picture of what it looks like when things become more important to us than God. Uh, many of us know this verse. Sometimes it's misquoted, but this is 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, For the love of money, that is the greedy desire for it and the willingness to gain it unethically, is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith 
and pierced themselves through and through with many sorrows. Paul's writing to Timothy, and sometimes you, you may have heard somebody quote this verse and they'll say, money is the root of all evil. No, God wants to use money. God, wa- God wants you to have what you need and more than enough so that you can be a blessing to the people around you. Like money will actually help build the kingdom. Like things, things take money. So it's not that money is evil. It's that when your money starts to have you, that it becomes evil. Like when you fall in love with your money and all you can think about is your money and when you lay it in bed at night, you, like, you dream about your money. And it's like I, I, like I would give, like I feel like the Lord's leading me to, to do this or to be generous in this way, but I just can't let go of it. That's, that's when money becomes a problem. But God actually wants it, like you having money is not a bad thing. You having money in your bank account is not bad because God wants to use that. God wants to operate in that way as well. But it's the love of money or possessions. And I, and I love this at the very end where he says, for some, by longing for it, they have what? They've wandered away from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. In other words, I fell in love with my money and I found out that that can't buy everything. And now I'm in a place that I didn't want to be because I've actually turned my heart away from God. And my possessions and my things and my money, it's become more important to me than my relationship with God. And I no longer even really rely on God because I feel like I've got it covered. And he says, no, like the danger in that is that you'll wander away. You'll be drawn away. You know, we just read verse 14 where, where James tells us it's our own, it's our own worldly desires that that drag us away and they entice us and they bait us to sin, basically. And then the next verse he says, And when the illicit desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. Like, in other words, you, you thought, well, nobody else will know. Or, well, you know, I just don't feel as close to God right now, and so I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And what James is saying, I believe, is that it's not going to turn out the way that you think it will. Like, you cannot escape the truth that whenever you are living your life in sin and whenever you are dragged away by your own desires, that ultimately it will lead to death. That it's going to lead you to a place that you ultimately don't want to be. And so there's a danger in that. Look at 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 15. John says, Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh, and the lust and longing of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources, and in the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world. The world is passing away, and with it its lusts, the shameful pursuits, and ungodly longings, But the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes lives forever. Many of you, you might be familiar with this because, uh, you know, you may have heard this quote a lot. Like there's, there's the, you know, there's the flesh, there's lust, and there's the pride of life. And that this is how, this is how the enemy tempts us. That this is what we're tempted to do is turn to these things instead of God. And I think that the Holy Spirit is just reminding us today that we have to be on guard Come on, you know this is true. We have to be on guard against turning our heart away and beginning to rely on other things instead of God. 
being drawn away to begin to worship things that may not even be bad things in our life, but they are taking the place of God in our life, and we're being drawn away from our Heavenly Father. Here's the second thing this morning that I think we can learn from is to make the right choice. Make the right choice. Now, I don't know about you. Anybody ever had a, a really big decision to make? Have I ever had a really big decision to make? Nobody's ever had a really big decision to make? Like, I was, I was thinking of some of the decisions that, that we have to make in our lives. And some of them are smaller, but they seem bigger, you know? And then some of them are really big decisions. Like, like do we move or do we not move? You know, like... Is, 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 is this the career for me or is that the career for me? Like, do I stay in this job or do I go over here and take this job? Do I, do I buy this car or do I buy that car? You know, like all of these decisions that we have to make. And would anybody agree this morning that sometimes it can be stressful and there can be some pressure behind like decisions that have to be made? It's like, I know I need to make this decision, but at the same time, I'm not even really sure what decision to make anybody ever watch let's make a deal anybody a game show person you watch let's make a deal right this is how i picture this in my mind that like it's like when if you watch that show just to give you if you don't watch that show then just kind of give you a rundown there's a person that's playing this game and it's almost like do you want to risk this for what's behind door number one but you don't know what's behind door number one and then if you open and it's like or you can have what's behind door number two or if you're feeling really lucky, you can have what's behind door number three. But here's the thing. They're standing there having to make a decision on something that they don't know what the outcome will be. Well, I don't know. Like, do I, do I risk it all and go for what's behind, you know, curtain number three? Or do I hold on to what I have because what I have is actually going to be better than what's behind curtain number one? And here's what I was thinking about because I've watched that show from time to time. I don't watch it all the time, but I've watched it enough to know what's going on and to think to myself, wow, that seems like a lot of pressure to have to try to decide on something that you don't even know what's behind it. And I thought to myself, I am so glad that my heavenly father does not operate in that way. That he is not in heaven saying, you know what, you can have what's behind door number one or you can have what's behind door number two or you can have what's behind door number three. But you don't know what you're going to get. And I was, I was reading this, this verse and I thought, God is speaking to his people and he says, hey, I have, I have given you a choice to make. There's a decision that you need to make. In fact, look at it. This is verse 15 of what we just read. We'll start there. He says, listen closely. I've set before you today life and prosperity are good and death, and adversity, and evil. And God clearly defines, here are, here are the choices for his people. He says, you can choose life, or you can choose death. You can choose the good things and prosperous things, or you can choose adversity and evil things. There are, there's, there's a choice to be made. But not only does God clearly define what the options look like, this is what I love about God, is that he tells them what to choose. He says, I have set before you life and death. And look at it. This is, in, this is in verse 19. Look down at verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Therefore, you shall choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. Listen, God wants his people to choose life. But how many times do we know 
what it is that God would want us to do, but we still struggle to do it. I know that this is what God is wanting me to do, but I am struggling so much with actually doing it. I know that that is what God's best is for my life, and it may not even make sense, but this looks good too, and it's just for a season, and I'm just going to walk in this for a season, and then I'm going to come back to that at some point. And listen, sometimes God's best for your life doesn't even make sense. Like to you, you're thinking, well, like this doesn't seem that bad, and this doesn't seem that bad, and so you're praying about it, and God says, do this, and you're like, but God, this one pays twice as much money as that one. But what God knows is that if you take this, the money might be nice for a season, but you don't know what's coming in three years. And God knows that I'm trying to lead you on this path because it may not seem as enticing right now, but it's my best for you, and I know what the future holds, and so trust me. And in this situation, God makes it abundantly clear to his people. He says, listen, life and death, and please choose life. Like, will you please choose life? I want you to choose life. I've already been through, like, like here's, here's what you can expect, and here's what you can expect, and here's what I've set before you, and so I'm asking my people to choose life. But how many times do we know what it is that God would want us to do, and we still don't do it? Sometimes we even choose the wrong thing while we know that it's probably the wrong thing because for some reason, our flesh keeps getting in the way. And we know what we ought to do, what God's leading us to do, but we still don't do it. And I believe that God is inviting you and me today to choose life. And so not only does God want his people and is he communicating to his people to choose life, but I believe that he actually gives us a few directives for what it looks like to choose life. Just some things that we can pull out that God was communicating to his people, to this nation, saying, like you have, there's a choice to be made. Don't be drawn away. Don't start worshiping other gods and worshiping other idols and serving other, like, no, keep your focus on me. Like, I'm leading you. I am your God. Like, you can choose life or death, and I'll, I'm hoping that you will choose life. I want you to choose life. This is what it looks like to choose life. And so how do we choose life? I think that there are just a few things that I want to pull out as we end today uh, that God puts in his word. This is in verse 20, and we'll go through these one by one. Here's the first thing he says. He says, you can choose life by what? Loving God. Loving God. Which to many of us would be like, that seems really simple. Like, I love God. I, not, it's not as much you saying that you love God, but that you living your life and that your love for God comes out of you. He says, I, here's how you can choose life. What does it look like to choose life? Is that you would love the Lord your God. Loving the Lord your God. That's the first part of verse number 20. By loving the Lord your God. And if you look over at, at Luke chapter 10 and verse 27, and we won't spend a whole lot of time on this because I, I spoke a message specifically on this a while back, and you can go back and check out that message. But this is what he says. Jesus says, and he replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And Jesus is actually quoting a verse from the, the same book of the Bible that we're looking at today in Deuteronomy. And somebody is saying like, hey, what is the most important thing? Like, how do you interpret it? What would you say? And Jesus says, here's what you need to do. You need to love God with everything. Love God with everything. Like, don't hold anything back. And this is even one of our, if you've been through Next Steps, this is one of our values as a church. The first thing is that we love God. 
that we would be a church that when people look in, they'd be like, I don't know what it is about those people, but those people love God. I don't know what I experienced when I came to church that Sunday, but I sure experienced them loving God. Like, they love God with all of their mind. They love God with all of their strength. They love God with all of their heart. They love God with everything. Like, they are so in love with God. And here's something that Jesus said. This is John 14, 15, as he's nearing the end of his earthly ministry. He says this, if you really love me, we'll keep and obey commandments. Anybody ever read that verse and gotten aggravated? You're like, Jesus is saying, if you love me, you'll do what I say? Like, pfft. Anybody ever read that and thought God was trying to control your life? And Jesus is with his disciples, and he says, listen, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. To which I began thinking, why is it such a big deal to God that Jesus would say this toward the end of his earthly ministry, that he would say this, if you love me, you'll obey me. I think it's because God ultimately knows, we know this, God ultimately knows the end from the beginning. And he knows where he's leading us, and he knows where he's taking us, and he knows all of the steps along the way. And Jesus says, hey, all of these things that I have taught you, all of these things that you were taught one thing, and I'm teaching you another, and we're taking it to a deeper level. He says, listen, if you love me, you'll keep and obey my commandments, because these things are what are most beneficial for your life. It's not that God is trying to keep things from you. It's that God knows what is best for you. And so Jesus would say something like, if you love me, if you really love me, You'll live that love out. And you will keep and you will obey the things that I've taught you. The things that are in Scripture. Which leads me to the next thing that uh, is mentioned in Deuteronomy 30, 20. And it's this, how can we choose life? It's obey His voice. By obeying His voice. And the word here for obeying, I, I love this because it gave me, it, it registered in me, and hopefully it does to you. The word here can also mean to hear or to listen. Now, It's a picture of hearing and listening to obey. How many of you have ever heard somebody talking to you and you heard them, but you didn't really listen? Like, don't look at your spouse right now. But you, like, I know I've done this. Where it's like, you can even quote back to that person what they said, but you didn't listen. Like, you had no intention to actually listen to take this information and do something with it. And, and, and God is speaking to his people. He says, you know, how you, you know how you can choose life? It's by loving the Lord your God and by obeying his voice, by, by listening to him, but not just listening to him, but actually doing what he says, because what he says and what he's trying to lead you in is actually what's best for your life. We have to not just hear, not just listen, but obey. I wonder how many times We know God is speaking to us, but we don't really hear him. We don't really listen, and we don't obey his voice, right? We feel led to go and pray for someone, but we don't obey because it makes us nervous. We feel led to have a conversation with someone or check on somebody, but we don't obey because we're just too busy. We feel led to be generous with the finances that God has given us, but we don't obey because it's hard for us to let go of those things. We feel led to step out in faith towards something that we know God is calling us to do, but we don't obey because it's a little scary and it's a little uncomfortable 
And what if, as I was reading through this, I thought to myself, what if we're not experiencing this good and abundant and fulfilled life that we desire, really the life that Jesus said, I came to give them life and give it more abundantly. And I think there's more to that because he's talking about the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest. What if we're not experiencing that kind of life because we don't live obeying the voice and the prompting of the Lord? And that God is trying to lead us into things and lead us into situations and lead us into divine appointments and lead us into conversations and lead us into career paths and lead us into relationships that he knows are going to benefit us and are going to be best for us and that he's going to be able to grow us and teach us things in those situations. But we won't obey his voice. Sometimes we, we shun it. Sometimes we don't even pray about things. Come on, you know, this is, you've probably done this. I know I have. You don't even pray about things because you know what God will tell you to do. And you're like, if I ask, then he's going to tell me to do it, and then I'm going to have to make a choice. Am I going to obey or am I not? And so I just don't even pray because I know what God would tell me to do. And I really just don't want to do it. But part of choosing life is that we would obey. And here's the last thing that I notice about choosing life is this. Hold closely to him. He goes on and he writes and he says, and by holding closely to him, I'll bring the worship team back. You ever had someone in your life that you felt like was clingy? You ever had somebody in your life, you ever had a relationship and you thought, wow, this person is clingy? You ever tried to distance yourself from somebody because you're like, they are a little bit too clingy for me? You know what I'm saying? And here's the, here's the reality. In the natural, like in, 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 in our natural state we try to avoid clingy people we're like you need to be around me too much like you are relying on me too much like you are being way too clingy come on it could have been somebody you dated or one of your kids come on if you got kids you know the kids have a tendency to be clingy sometimes you know especially <laughs> some of you are like i know and like they're at that age where it's like the goal is for you to move out like come on like, your, your kids can be clingy sometimes, and sometimes you'll be walking around the house, and you're like, I don't know why. Like, we've had these conversations, and I know you probably have too. It's like, I don't know why. Like, this, this kid is being extra clingy right now, and I can't figure out what the deal is. And so we almost look at clingy as a bad thing. Like, if somebody's too clingy, then I need to distance myself from them. Normally, we try to avoid people that we feel are too clingy. But did you know that that's exactly what God wants from you? While we're trying to avoid people that are so clingy, what God is saying through his word when he says to hold closely to him, if you study that word, it can actually mean to cling. And in my, in my mind, I see it as a picture of like, no matter what, I'm clinging to God. Like I'm loving God, I'm obeying his voice, and I'm clinging to him. And no matter how successful I get, I can't let go of God. And no matter how hard it gets, I can't let go of God. And no matter how difficult it is, I can't let go of God. And no matter what my marriage looks like, I just can't let go of God. And no matter what situation I'm walking through, I can't let go of God. Because our natural tendency a lot of times is to distance ourselves from God. Like we start to blame God for things. And we start to get frustrated at God for things. And we don't know why God isn't moving in our timing or why he's not doing what we want him to do. And so we start to distance ourselves from God. And God is saying, no, what I want from you is that you would cling to me. That you would hold closely to me. That you would commit yourself fully to me. That at all costs, you're not letting go of me. And God's saying, you know what you need to do? You know what part of choosing life looks like? It looks like you clinging to God and making the decision. Like my mind is made up 
that I will cling to God. And God's instructing his people on how to choose life and experience the life that he wants for them. And one of the things that he says is, come on, hold closely to me. Cling to me. Cling to him when you're feeling successful or when you're feeling overwhelmed. Cling to him when you feel lost. Cling to him when you're grieving. Cling to him in your marriage. Cling to him in parenting. Come on, don't, don't run from God. What God is wanting is that you would run to him. Like when you're grieving and when you don't know what to do in that parenting situation, that you would run, like you would cling to him. You would hold closely to him. Like if there's, if there's anything I cannot do, it is that I cannot let go of God. I have to hold on to him. I have to hold closely to him. Like it's the, he's the one person that I cannot let go of. And God is saying, you know, your natural tendency is to kind of distance yourself from people that are clinging. He said, I want you to do that. I want you to cling to me. Hold closely to me. We stand to your feet this morning. At the end of at the end of this passage, this text that we read today, we not only see that there's importance in loving God with everything and obeying his voice and holding closely to him, but I think that I think that God ultimately gives us a reason why. That if you read the very end of the passage that we're talking about, he says, I want you to, like life and death, I want you to choose life. And here's what it looks like to choose life. Come on, it looks like you're loving me with everything. It looks like you're, you're obeying my voice. Even when it's difficult, when it's not what you want to do, when you don't even fully understand, like you're going to be obedient to my voice. And you're clinging to me. Like you have this resolve in your heart that I am not distancing myself from God. I am holding closely to God. But then... The next part of that, and, and, and we'll read it together. This is what he says. He says, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding closely to him, for he is your life. Why is it so important for you to choose life and, and to know that, hey, I got to love God with everything. And I need to obey his voice. And I need to hold closely to him. It's because he is your life. You might think you can find life somewhere else, but it will not be the life that God intended for you. He is your life. He is what you need. He goes on, he says, your good life, your abundant life, your fulfillment, and the length of your days. I love the way that the New Living Translation says these two verses. I want to read verses 19 and 20. It says it this way. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. And look at how, look at how it translates it. This is the key to your life. This is the key to your life, that you would love God, obey his voice, and cling to him. This is the key to your life. He is your life. He is your life. And if you really believe that he is your life, then doesn't it make sense that we would love him with everything? That we would obey his voice and that we would cling to him and hold firmly to him, hold closely to him. The one who is my life. This is the 
bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come down. I want to pray for you. and Then we're going to sing one final song and have a time of prayer. But right where you are, I just want you to ask. Just ask the Lord, what do you... What are you speaking to me through this message today? What are you speaking to me through your word today? And maybe you just need to even right there where you're standing, just say, am I, am I loving God with all of me? Am I being obedient to his voice, knowing that ultimately he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and that he will not lead me astray and that even though it makes no sense to me, it makes perfect sense to him. Am I somebody who is clinging to God? Or am I somebody that's moving close to God one day and being drawn away the next? God wants you to cling to Him. No matter what happens in my life, I'm clinging to my Heavenly Father. So Lord, right now in Your presence, we thank You We thank you for your word. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. Lord, I believe that there are so many across this room that have experienced that in ways that that I can't even imagine. We know how good you are. We know that you are faithful. We know that you are everything that we need. So Lord, right now, as we sing this last song, Lord, I pray that you would work on our hearts like only you can. And Lord, as we worship you, if there's any person here today who needs prayer for anything in their life, Holy Spirit, would you draw them for prayer today? In Jesus' name we pray.